Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, we've got more takes on NFL Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll also talk about some bets for the Sony Open. But now it's time to talk some college basketball and a little NBA as well. And to do just that, we've got Jimmy Patsos of NBC Sports Washington and Monumental Sports. And you can follow him on X at Coach Patsos. Thank you so much for joining us, Jimmy. We greatly appreciate it. Let's talk about last night. Number one. Number two, both go down in college basketball. Do you feel like that this is a sign that we are in for a wild and wacky tournament, or was it just a mere coincidence? Look, anybody can. Hi, guys. It's great to be there. You know, I saw that you guys called. I was excited. Aaron, legend, we understand this. We answer the call and we say, <laughs> I immediately got in my car. I immediately got in my car and drove to the Seton Hall Georgetown game because I got, I got to be in person to, be, to get to get a better vibe. Um, sure. Look, last night Seton Hall was up early. They're four and one of the Big East. Georgetown comes back. They have a two point lead with a minute to go, and Seton Hall finds a way to win. You see Houston going to Iowa State, losing. Nebraska is a tough place to play. But I saw Purdue in person. I saw Zach Eady in person at Maryland. And he's got a nice supporting cast, but he's really a good passer. But we saw him lose in the first round. You know, two years ago to St. Peter's, they lost to the Sweet 16. And last year to FDU to Fairleigh Dickinson. So are we headed that way? I think we are. I think what's happened is the transfer portal has made some older guys. Remember, they don't just transfer down. I mean, transfer up, they transfer down. So... You all of a sudden, Houston's beatable. You know, Purdue's beatable. Kansas has lost once this year. I saw Seton Hall beat UConn. Tennessee has a couple of losses. Calipari seems good, but they're really young. Carolina, they're a little boring, but they kind of get the job done. Arizona's really good, but they lost to Purdue in Indianapolis. So it's just, you can go down the line of all these teams. I love Bruce Pearl's team in Auburn. Greg Gard at Wisconsin's got one of these teams that if you catch them on the wrong day, they can beat you. But last night, I think, is what's going to happen in the next two months. It's almost become a little NBA-ish where if you're not on your game, someone can beat you anytime because there's lots of players, lots of different places. Some guys have older guys and some guys have younger guys. and Some guys have guys that have been in three schools. But it's not just getting ready to play. It's turned into a little bit of the NBA where if you're not on your game, Especially with the, you know, Iowa State is a really, really tough to play. Nebraska is a really, really tough place to play because everybody goes to games. There's not a lot else to do in Lincoln right now. They're certainly not going to the football games. As the, I mean, they are, but they're not winning. But Fred Hoiberg's done a great job. So, like, to answer your question, anybody can beat anybody. you got to find the right value, especially if you guys are playing, you know, money lines, et cetera. But – Last night is going to happen, to, I think, the next two months a lot. Yeah, J- Jimmy, it's really interesting because, you know, you mentioned Auburn, how you like them, and we were actually talking about them on the show uh, yesterday. But just the way things have set up with the odds, they're viewed as a long shot. And like what you're saying is the madness could get heightened here even more so, like expand that field a little bit. Um Let's talk about what what are you looking for? Like we're still learning the about these teams. We have a 15 game sample size for most of them at this point. Uh but for this year, the way it's setting up, what are you looking for uh in teams that you want to back for the long term? I mean, you, you look it just depends whether you're a defensive person or you want to play offense. That's the first thing. Last night, seeing the hall, 
in Georgetown. And so what you knew it was going to be a low number. But, you know, Dawes came out and had a really good game. And, you know, Kadari Richmond can have a double-double. Well, Epps can really score. You know, Epps had five threes in the last minute against American U. You know, full disclosure, I'm in the D.C. Baltimore area, so I see more of their games. What do I look for? Teams that can consistently score. And there's really good big men out there this year. Hunter Dickinson's a really good big man. Broom's a really good – he plays in the middle. It's not just all guards firing away. This is not Golden State Warriors basketball. People are playing control basketball. But if you can't guard Zach Eady and you can't guard Hunter Dickinson, but on the other hand, if you can shut down the three-point line, I look at three-point field, field goal percentage defense. Because you have, if you can't – for instance, Marilyn Terrapins aren't playing great right now. They can't make threes. They're like one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. So right there, if you can't make threes or you can defend the three, if you're a good defensive three-point shooting team, that's one thing I look for. And then, you know, there, there, there's, you know, how many times they turn the ball over, things of that nature. You know, I'm going to have Towson against Stony Brook tomorrow night. Pat Scary's team played Wilmington. Wilmington wants to play really fast the other day. Well, Towson got it in a slow-paced game. And, and as you and everyone knows, if you're behind, if you're used to playing fast and you're behind, you start rushing shots. So I go three-point field goal percentage defense. I go, like, turnover possession rate. Things like that, those are statistics I like. But I like home teams. You know, in college, I've notoriously liked home teams. It's starting to show up. Now, it's not as much in November and December. The places aren't as packed as they used to be. You know, people have a lot of things to do. They go on their phone. They go to pro games. There's a lot of different interests out there. But January and February, Michigan won it. It's over. Football's over. Penix couldn't do it. You know, which, by the way, makes me a little nervous in the NFL. <laughs> Now it's over. It's all college basketball for the next two months. The crowds are going to start going. You know, the Big Ten, Chris Collins at Northwestern, he does a really good job. He can score. He can play fast or slow, you know. So, like, I'm starting to see which college atmospheres are going to be packed, which teams can play, whether they play. Some teams, when they play slow, they can't win. I like teams that can play either way and win, but you've got to be able to defend the three-point line these days. Which team do you think can play either way and win that could be dangerous come tournament time? Like I, like, and I already said, I love Bruce Pearl. It was a big spread on him about all the championships he's had. Went to the Final Four. Texas Tech, Grant McCausland's done a better job than I thought down there. It's his first year. All of a sudden, they're sneaking up. They beat Oklahoma State. My future's bet Auburn. Uh, Utah State's done a really – that Mountain West, I think there's some value out there. I shouldn't be telling people what to play gambling-wise, but that's, this is the world we live in. San Diego State went to the finals for a reason last year. Nevada won the tournament mm-hmm. and uh, the Rainbow Classic out there in Hawaii. They won that. You know, they, they now I don't care the field was decent, but there was still, you know, an ACC team and a Big 12 team and all that stuff. They – Nevada and Alfred are really good. I'll see if New Mexico and Richard Pitino can do it. But those Mountain West teams, they're good. Colorado State, Nico Medved, and Isaiah Stevenson, they're fantastic. And they're kind of hidden gems. I think Auburn can play both ways. You know, Tennessee, I really like Rick Barnes. They play a really tough schedule. That's the last thing I'd look at is schedule. And I don't mean last and the bad thing. Last, I'd factor in is Who's played who where? Who has played tough games? That's what's interesting about Purdue. He plays a lot of tough games. 
But last year in the tournament, the last two years, he got beat by St. Peter's and Fairway Dickinson. That makes me concerned. Arizona, Tommy Lloyd's a great coach. He ran into Princeton last year. By the way, Princeton's still playing really well right now. Princeton's good. Princeton and Yale. The Ivy League is up to like 14 or maybe even 12 in the Ken Palm. Like, those are teams, if you want to play futures bets, that I think have a real chance. But I think it's better. It's, it's the best time ever, in my opinion, to take out the Blue Bloods. You know, I was there last year at Birmingham. There's Houston comes walking out and Alabama comes walking out. And they look as good as they could possibly look in the second game. First game, Alabama didn't look so great. No, maybe I apologize. It was Houston that didn't look so great in the first game. Well, they were both gone in the Sweet 16. You know, Musselman's team came and beat them. This year, the Auburns of the world, they're like Marquette. He can run and press. But the one team that kind of seems to be getting better and better is Duke. They keep winning. They're not – it's not Zion Williamson show. It's not R.J. Barrett. They don't have this stud. But they got a good point guard in Roach. They could be like Carolina was two years ago. So, yeah, I want teams that can grind out a win if they have to or teams that can play really fast if they have to. But there, there's – Last night has shown you, if you want to throw out the top, and UConn, we both, everyone knows how hard it is to repeat, but maybe Patino and St. Jones, you know, he's doing a really good job. They're getting better there. They just went in and beat Villanova. So you start circling teams, pick a team in each region you like watching. I'm a TV person. I like watching games on national television. Sure, I'll get I'll snoop around to ESPN Plus and Flow and all that, but Pick some teams you like to play. But I have a funny feeling Bruce Pearl's going to make a huge run this year. So I'm going Auburn Tigers. I'm, I'm just – I have a funny feeling about them a lot. And the other one that's dangerous and kind of is coming around is Scott Drew and Baylor. Remember, they won in COVID. He can coach. His, he took him – he lost two assistants really fast, so it took him a little time to adjust. You know, Tang's over at Kansas State. They made a run last year. So Baylor, like Auburn. Those kind of, you know, you know, some of those ones that are a little under, that, that the number's not huge on, you know. If you like Shaka Smart and them, I watched Wisconsin beat them. So I don't know. And then, you know, my outlier, Texas Tech and Grant McCausland. Patino's kind of a fun one to watch. And I would say the Dayton Flyers from the A-10 are really good. The A-10 is better this year. It's a better league this year. You know, Mason... GW, that league, VCUs came back and won it. But Dayton is the class of that league. Remember, they were going to be a number one seed in COVID year with Obi Toppin. So those are the type of schools I'd go look at. And when those teams are at home, like Dayton at home, that's one of my favorites is Dayton at home all year long. Uh, Jimmy, what about uh, the Wooden Award? Uh, you mentioned Edie and Dickinson earlier in the conversation. Now, Edie's a massive favorite. He's minus 300. We all understand why. But we haven't seen a back-to-back winner since 83 with Ralph Sampson. So uh, Dickinson is 10-1. to 1. Do you think Dickinson can win the Wooden Award? Or, or do you think there's someone else that can enter this conversation? Or, hey, you know what? It's just going to be Edie. You know, Edie and the Big Ten have a funny way of doing, you know, the Big Ten because of their network. It's so strong. They have, they have a great, you know, they have a great – Publicity a favorite, and Kentucky's too balanced. The problem is some of these other teams are balanced, so it's hard because everything runs through Edie. Mm-hmm. Hunter Dickinson's a different guy, but not everybody likes him. You know, he's got a little Lex Luthor in him, and I actually respect that about him. <laughs> but it's hard to vote for Lex Luthor, you know. <laughs> in other words, like 
He's got this little feistiness. He's from around here. Really good player. He's doing well at Kansas. They only have one loss. You know, there's probably people listening saying, you're crazy. This is going to be an all-blue blood final. Kansas is going to be right back in there. They got Omarco Jackson. They got Nick Timberlake off the bench. They got a great supporting cast. And Hunter Dickinson, but he plays with a real edge. And I like Hunter Dickinson. That's the one guy I think that could keep moving the needle at that number. Whereas Zach could just, his personality is such that he just kind of goes along and he's a really good passer. He doesn't try to score every time. So I really like Hunter Dickinson. And his record is speaking for itself, you know. Anybody else, you know, you know, this isn't going to happen with R.J. Davis and those, and those type of players, I don't think so. I, I would say that he's a really good bet at Zidi, if that's what you want to do. But I'd rather bet. I'd rather take Hunter Dickinson. I just have a funny feeling. Kansas is going to the Big Twelve every night. I'm telling you, the Big Twelve. Jamie Dixon came in here at TCU and beat Georgetown. They hit a bank shot. But Jamie Dixon, you're talking about TCU and Texas Tech. I've mentioned like they're down the road a little in that week. Baylor, I talked to that week every night. Cincinnati, he's done an outstanding job, West Miller. They went out and won at BU. So you talk about players that could win the, the, with that award. Well, that league really is the best league. That league, night in and night out, there's no weakness. So that's why I give Hunter Dickinson the nod. The problem is, is they beat each other up a little, and so it's a little more difficult to figure out who's the most dominant player. But I'm going to throw, I would say right now, I'd go with Hunter Dickinson over Zach Eady, even though he's got a little edge to him, but I like edge. Nice. i uh, got about 90 seconds left here. I wanted to ask you an NBA question here. You're out in the uh, D.C. area, the Washington Wizards. I know they've been terrible, but are they getting the Indiana Pacers at a good time because they don't have Tyrese Halliburton, or are they getting them at a bad time because perhaps they are a little bit more unpredictable, ball movement, things like that. You don't exactly know what to expect, and sometimes teams without their star player, sometimes they get a little amped up, a little extra motivated for at least the short term. Yeah, for a game, you know, that can go either way on a game night, I think, for one or two games. I love Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State kid, drove, his, drove himself from Wisconsin and begged Iowa State to take him. There's a story for you, because Marquette and Wisconsin weren't sure he was good enough. Goes to Sacramento and really does well. Do I like the Pacers? Rick Carlisle's done a really good job. they got a nice team. they got a big person in the middle and lots of guards. Buddy Heal can step in. T.J. McConnell's played. Jalen Smith has come on a little bit as a backup center and shoots the ball. I think the Pacers are really good, and they want to win. And there's a reason they did really well in the in-season tournament, which I'm a big fan of. But the Wizards, don't sleep on the Wizards. They battle. They're just like one or two players short. And they're, you know, they, they know what they're doing down there. Will Watkins, the new GM. They got a plan, you know. They, Koulibaly, I'll tell you, Koulibaly is really good. Watch Koulibaly as a rookie. He is really quietly moving up with his stats. He's the sixth man with Corey Kispert, the seventh man. They got Landry Shamit. This could be an interesting game where the Wizards sneak in and catch him off guard because Dewan Wright's back. They have a nice team. Poole had 15 in the third quarter the other night. But it's all about Kyle Kuzma. You know, Kuzma's their leader, and they go as he goes. But the Wizards, three out of four games, the Wizards are battling and right there. They have the leads in the third quarter. They just been haven't, haven't been able to finish because in the NBA, you know, there's so many great, great all-star type players. But the Wizards are a feisty team. I think the Wizards are going to battle the Pacers tonight. And, yes, they can't have Tyrese Halliburton out too long because as good as the Pacers got off to a start this year, and I was very mm-hmm. impressed with Carlos, done a good job with them. 
Halliburton, right. those 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 twenty point twenty assists, those things are just rolling along. Those are big numbers to replace. You think maybe for one game, but I like the Wizards going in there tonight and playing the Wiz- The Wizards, you look at their numbers through three quarters. The question is, can the Wizards rebound with them because they, they don't really have a center besides Daniel Gafford? But the Pacers are an interesting team, you know. So, but the Wizards, like the Wizards' trajectory of the way they play, they they don't quit, they battle, and they actually can score the ball. So. I think they go in there and battle them tonight. Good stuff. Jimmy Patso, some monumental sports. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we give our midseason reset of the college basketball season. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still to come, Joe Osborne will join us to preview Super Wild Card Weekend. And, of course, we have some golf bets to dole out. It is that time of year where a lot of different sports are coming together. And that means we've got a lot of work to do, but a lot of money to capture as well. But now, let's do a midseason reset of the college basketball season. And clearly, the top story that we need to get to is the fact that Paul and I went head-to-head in lightning bets. I took the Auburn side. Paul took the A&M side, even though he has an Auburn future to win the Natty, and I do not. And sure enough, my bet won. And I mention this because the glass man also had Texas A&M plus seven and a half, but I will now crack my knuckles here, Paul. I knew a a victory lap was coming, but... I mean, okay, A&M went 10 minutes without a field goal. I know we talked when we both acknowledged it in our handicaps that they yep. – I didn't know they could do that. I knew they could go five minutes. I knew they could go seven minutes without a field goal. And then they started missing free throws. Which, look, Wade Taylor, the one guy you can count on for offense on that team, had an abysmal game. Um, so that combined with their regular shooting woes and they go 10 minutes without a field goal. Fine. Like all up, they play that game 10 more times. I'm taking the same side again, but I think we saw some interesting things. A&M they're going to muck it up. That's what buzz is going to do with those guys. Like they'll scrap and claw their way. Maybe they can win a game or two or frustrate a team. Auburn was getting frustrated a little bit. So I actually think if I'm a future opponent, I take what A&M did. They were losing their composure a little bit, which you can't necessarily quantify. But if I'm going after Auburn, I am doing what A&M did to them a little bit and seeing if they fall apart. Because they look, they were on the verge of falling apart, and then A&M just couldn't make a shot. But So as far as the Auburn future, I was saying this in the break, they, ha- they still haven't really played anyone. Like I feel good about it. It's a great number in what we're seeing, especially last night, is becoming a wide-open field. So I think at 30 to one, I'm comfortable with them as much as anyone. Um, A&M, yeah, maybe win a game or two. So yes, yes, congrats. Congrats on the big W. So you got 30? I got 30. Okay. Are there any 30s left? Oh, man. Um, I'm looking now. Like, I don't think so. 
There's one. I assumed if one. they won last if they won last night, that number was probably going to come down. Yeah, because like they were kind of the buzzy team after the weekend, and then if they win right. this game, so yes. I have a question for the group since we are doing a reset. Personally, I've been burned by having too many college basketball futures and then the bracket comes out and you got all these teams like going up against mm-hmm. each other in the same region. Like what's everyone's overall process? Because I decided to dial it back a little bit and now I have zero. So I think the pendulum obviously swung the other way, but it's kind of tough when you factor that in, you know, like should I just only pick a couple this year? Like you know, Joe, like what advice would you have for me uh, with my futures college? Uh, by the way, I did just find a 40 on Auburn. So, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. So okay. I'm thinking about that one a lot. Good sleuthing. Uh, yeah. Aaron, I am uh, I'm on the same page as you. But I'm not saying that I'm not going to do it or I'm yeah. not like – in a position where, okay, I'm only waiting for the path because that's how I'm going to judge teams. Right. And we know it's all about matchups because if you're looking for, if you're going value hunting, like, yeah, um, it's not going to be there <laughs> as much in February and March. It's going to be more challenging uh, once we get more information. But I, I have waited, but I want, I want to see a decent amount of games. Like, I didn't, I wasn't going to make these futures over the break. Like, there are some people that are really into college basketball. Like, they see numbers they know are wrong. They're following the recruits and all that stuff. Like, they understand um, where the value is. I'm waiting a little bit, but we're just starting to get into conference play. So, I'm keeping a much closer eye on all these teams. But I'm not the mentality that I'm not going to do it at all. I, I will right. get some futures. I just I just haven't started the process yet. But like I'm I'm close. I'm getting there. And Paul, you have two. Is that right? Uh, I, two I have more than two. Uh, How many? So I have. Oh, no. I, I bet Creighton before. I bet Creighton Ten? before the season. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, not quite. I and bet Creighton before and that the Creighton season. Number. What'd you get Creighton at? Because their number's about the 20, same, right? Yeah, 25. So you're actually getting a better number now. Better number um, now, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I like yeah, they're, str- they're scuffling. The a, yeah, they're scuffling a little bit, which, but they've got all the same pieces back. So just figure it out around this time of year, February. Like, you don't want to be like, you see the hot team fade in March all the time. So I'm not saying, all right, wait for them to get hot in February, but like, figure it out now in conference play. Um, Clemson was the other team, which was a number grab at 150. I'll be on them tonight, laying two at Virginia Tech. I think they faced a couple. They went to Miami, lost. They're another team. Why, why do I do this to myself? That like struggles to score in key moments, and then like Carolina, they were it was a two point game with five minutes left, and then they stopped scoring. Um, but off back to back losses, going to Virginia Tech, I just think they're the much better team. So I'll lay two with them tonight. I don't have any grand hopes for that. Maybe they make a final four run. So I think Aaron where, and look, it's the same if you're betting a title feature or the final four where I got burned a little bit is like, I had all these teams in the same uh, Mm -hmm. region final four bets, which I guess can be a good thing. If like, those are the last four teams left in the region and you know, like, all right. And you're cashing like a 15 to 25 to one shot, but like, that's not the ideal, you know, situation to be in. So I have three final four bets. Oh, I have, you have, I have a couple four Final bets. Four bets and a couple title bets. I've got Creighton, Clemson, Auburn, and then for Final Four, I've got A and M, great uh, Mississippi State, and Clemson. And I do think 
with the yeah, Aaron, my face exactly pretty much with those teams. But I do think with these like scrappy defensive teams, maybe the final four like that look good, you know, in the metrics, maybe the final four bet is the way to go instead of getting all the way to the natty. Like Dayton. I think one thing that I look Jimmy at is if you're making a final four bet, you know, I would be willing to increase variance for that because sometimes matchups are such and path is such to where you do get a random team in there and there's some sort of nugget of hope. But for picking a national champion, I almost feel mm-hmm. like your blue bloods and they don't have to be like Duke, North Carolina, but sort of that second tier like a Yukon or a Virginia, someone like that they're probably likelier to win the natty, even if they don't look good right now. So Mm -hmm. I do think program building and the overall, you know, construction of that does matter when it comes to a title versus just a final four bet. So I think the process between the two should be massively different. One team I was looking at kind of the same process as Paul, um, a team that was pretty good last year. Jimmy also mentioned them. 20th in adjusted defense, 45th in adjusted offense. Probably won't win it all, but maybe a final four bet is San Diego State. The Mountain West thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We finally saw them first that last them. year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're they're the they are, you know, the quintessential scrappy defensive teams gonna score in the fifties, but they figured it out. Like they they actually finally got it done last year, you know, to a certain point. Um, I th- personally, yeah. they got, you know, a great call against Creighton. I forget exactly how the end of that game played out. I know I was furious about it, but yes, that <laughs> that's a team, you know, I, th- I think I agree with you on a team like that. And then do you guys look more offensive? Like when there's a widespread like Dayton, since Jimmy brought them up 12th in adjusted offense, a hundredth in, a, you know, adjusted defense. I mean, that's, that's Iowa, right? That's Iowa. And we see mm-hmm. them lose all the time. Are you more willing to back a team in these markets that's, let's say, the Final Four market or any futures market that's straps down defensively and sometimes it's a rock fight or the high-powered offense that, you know, they go cold, you're dead? Hell Because they don't have a defense. Hell no. You go with well the offense either. Is, yeah. I don't well do either. Oh, so yeah. neither. Okay. I don't. You, Ed, no. I, I if if you're really bad at something, then no, I can't back you at all. I, I, you're not I gonna need win to four see straight games. Kind of consistency across the board. No, right. I, I don't. I mean, it, it's still good competition in all likelihood. Like even if the matchups are in your favor, if something goes wrong with that good thing you can do, then it's a complete disaster. I mean, we've seen that. I think Gonzaga is a really good example where offensively they've been elite for years. But when the shooting doesn't drop, then they are in big trouble. And over the course of four games, that tends to happen. Bama fits that. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I'd say Baylor, but they ha- I think they have the ability to improve the defense because sure. we, we know that. Um, but, yeah, there are, I think Iowa was a good example in recent memory uh, of something that fits that. I'm with you. I don't. I stay, end up staying away from those teams. I, I'm more looking at the other ones. I did want to ask about Illinois, and we mess with Jake a lot with them. They're ninth, they're top 10 in Ken Palm. They are one of these balanced teams that we talk about, six in offensive efficiency, top 20 on the defensive end. Jake, I mean, you watch every game. You tell me. Do you think they have the ability this year? I mean, if you ask me this question, like, 
two weeks ago, I would have said yes for sure. But, I mean, the Terrence Shannon thing just makes everything very weird. I will say the game against Purdue went better than I expected, especially when you consider, like, how it ended. Because yeah. it was bad for a while. I mean, they were down by 12 to 14 at a couple moments. But every single time, it was like, all right, chip away, get get it down to three. It was down to two at one point. It looked like Illinois had a chance to win the game late. And they just kind of fell apart. I mean, anytime you're going to have to rely on Coleman Hawkins to win you a game, it's probably not going to go that well six times out of ten. Like, they need Terrence Shannon to be their closer, to be the guy that gets them over the finish line. It's there's supposed to be some kind of decision on his restraining order tomorrow, okay. apparently. But yeah, there's, so there's some people that don't know what – some yeah. people not following it don't know what's happening. Can you explain what – What's going on with him? With their restraining yeah, order so, I mean, he's suspended from the team right now, but apparently he yeah. filed a restraining order against the university to get around the suspension. Uh, Jeremy Werner, reporter for Illinois Athletics, like he tweeted yesterday that there's going to be a decision in, you know, Illinois, whatever county court that it is down in Champaign, that there's going to be a decision tomorrow on that, allegedly. So he might be back on the court. I mean, they, they play... Wow. They play tomorrow, so obviously they're not going to see him in the next. Probably they play tomorrow and they play Sunday as well. Maybe you see him Sunday against Maryland at home. That's a possibility, but I it's still just so up in the air. But even without him, I mean, they're a good team. I think they're a solid team that can play with you know ranked teams and they can be a ranked team without him. Marcus Damask has been awesome. Everything you wanted him more. And Coleman Hawkins, I mean, I give him a lot of grief, but probably going to the NBA after this year regardless. So, they have the talent and they have a a lot more depth than they did last year, even though they're playing technically without a point guard. They have way more three-point shooting, they have way more rebounding. So, even without Terrence Shannon, yeah, they're probably a good team, but I think to be like title contenders, they need him. You're you're not at the point where you're saying beat somebody. Like their best win right now is Florida Atlantic. You're not at that. Yeah, point I mean, you still need to beat somebody, but I, I think that the way that they're winning the the games that they are, like they're beating down these other teams. Like the the teams mm-hmm. that they are playing, the wins they they these are beat downs. Like they're it's not close, not contests. Let me throw I out. I think one thing we have to keep in mind here when right. sort of evaluating, you know, Illinois or most any team is it almost seems like everybody has a bad loss, right? Like the only one who might not is Tennessee at this point, but it does feel like every team, good, bad, indifferent, they do have a bad loss on the resume and it's early January right now. So is this something where we have to kind of look at this across the board and look at say more dominant performances and evaluate it that way instead of finding one or two data points when everybody has something embarrassing. It's interesting. And I, as you say that, I don't think Illinois has a bad loss. They're all top 10 teams. It's Marquette, mm-hmm. Tennessee, and Purdue. So, but but you're right. Like, especially now, like the, these are going to pop up more and more where we started the show with what happened last night in college hoops was number one and number two going down uh, where, you know, the short home dogs, shortish home dogs end up winning. We're probably going to see more of it. And I do think it's a sign of things to come. We think the madness is crazy before, like now with the transfer portal and IL and all that, like I would think it's going to be even more so. Let me throw out the the teams that fit the profile right now. Top 20 offensive efficiency, top 20 defensive yep. efficiency. Illinois, yep. Auburn, we've talked about. BYU, Duke, Houston, Purdue, UNC, Arizona. Honorable mention to Tennessee was 23rd in offensive efficiency, second 
in defensive efficiency. Anything on any of those other teams? Hmm. Well, one thing I know about BYU, if you're looking at, say, biggest risers in Ken Palm from the preseason up to now, they, mm-hmm. uh, I think they're the sixth or seventh biggest riser. So here's a team that, you know, I don't necessarily know a whole lot about, but I do know the metrics love them. And they weren't necessarily highly heralded at the start of the year. So definitely they're a team that we should be watching at this point. Uh, as far as some of the other bigger risers, Utah State, Colorado State, Dayton, Oklahoma, Clemson. Those last two uh, seem mighty intriguing as far as programs that maybe we can back in terms of the tough schedules that we'll have ahead. BYU, 241st strength of schedule. So let's see what happens. Oh, Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. And we're complaining about Houston's non-conference. That's bad. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Sony Open tees off tomorrow, and we have golf bets to share. Coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. from BetQL. Chris Kirk wins the Century Championship last week and the Hawaii Tour continues now at the Sony Open. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And as far as the Sony Open goes, the folks are telling me it's one of the more predictive golf courses out there. In fact, it's second behind Augusta National. So as we look at bets that we want to make for the Sony Open on the island of Oahu, what do we want to look at? How much does course history matter in terms of our handicapping, Joe? Well, so so you're saying that it, it when we say predictable, when we say Augusta, if you throw that out there, that means course mm-hmm. history matters the most, right? Um, right. Is that how you're looking at it? Uh, for the most part, uh, you know, I believe, uh, you know, those metrics in terms of saying, okay, if, if course history matters a great deal, let's see who's done well there before, not necessarily <clears throat> winning the tournament, uh, but who has, you know, had enough T5s, T10s to where I can back them comfortably in this spot. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, here's another way that uh, this, this course reminds you of what happens at Augusta. Debutants don't win, right? There's been yep. one uh, debutante that's won. It was Russell Henley 10 years ago, and that's it. So you need a little bit of experience. That's what history tells us uh, to to understand the course. And so that's what people are looking at. And so what are some of the names? You know, yeah, of course, uh, Henley, but there's it's, – it's interesting because I don't know if we should look at last week that much because the courses are wildly different. So – Form isn't really a thing that I'm looking at at this point. Corey Connors is a guy, you know, last last four times he's been there, he's top 12 in all of them. So certainly a ton of course history there. You know, Matsuyama, not last year, but before that, he won and uh, he was top 23 times. So that's a name that you certainly want to take a look at. That's popped multiple times. Kucher, seven and a seven the last two times. Certainly has uh, some positive course history. Missed the cut last year, but before that, Keith Mitchell uh, certainly looked good. A seven, a fourteen, a sixteen in the last in the last five years. And you know there are names like Nick Taylor. It's not the deepest uh, of groups of guys that uh, mm-hmm. decided to play play this Hawaii 
um, course. But uh, yeah, so those are some of the names that certainly pop when it comes to course history. And that helps. I, I think that helps a lot of people because it really boils it down. You don't have to look at, at, at as many factors. So I'm going in a different direction than both of you. I'm going to look at a young player who I think we're going to see in contention more often than not. I believe he's only 21 years old. He was on the leaderboard and doing well last week. Um, where Another course where he had no experience because he's just so young. He really doesn't have any experience at all. And that's Akshay Batia. Am I saying it right? You can find him 60 to 1 outright. Um, but this could be a guy that we could be talking about more and more just because he's so young. And I think the ceiling's pretty high for him. I don't know if I'll do outright, but I might look at him top 20, top 10, something like that. Is he your Billy Z? Is he your version yes. of Billy the Z? New, he's the new Billy Z for me. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Paul, what are you thinking mm-hmm. right now? What do you got? Paul? So I also, so I, I worked my way towards course history, and Ed, I saw that same note about it being second most predictive only to Augusta, so I think that's definitely a great point to bring up. Uh, Unlike the Century, which has forgiving wide fairways, it looks like accuracy off the tee here is more important uh, than distance, and historically a strong approach game also seems very important. So I kind of looked at driving accuracy and approach as well as and then work that into course history as well so Hideki I've written down there's a 50 out there which on him you get some nice numbers on Hideki like all the time last week didn't go that great for him but again I don't like and it's a more forgiving course so that kind of makes me hesitate but that'll be a play uh the course history is there obviously uh Ben on came out you know, firing last week, happy to be back on the golf course after the Sizzurp suspension. So I know the not like he's got history here, though, too. T12 here last year, top five finished yeah. last week. So uh, approach game and driving accuracy have been questions in the past. So we'll see, but going to ride the hot hand and the suspension narrative a little bit. Another guy with good course history and the metrics that I think line up with this, Lucas Glover. At 60, mm. 50, and I looked at 2023 stats, like last season stats, by the way. Like, these are not based off of last week. Uh, 15th in approach, 5th in driving accuracy percentage. Uh, missed the cut last year here, but a T5 in 2022. Uh, the putting is not great, we have said on the show, and I believe, Ed, you've kind of championed this, that putting is not necessarily sticky. So right. um, that's that could be, if it goes the right way for him. And, like, look, it doesn't hurt that he... Played well last week, finished 19 under, T29, uh, led the field in strokes gained approach. So that could definitely be good here. This is a guy who was never on my radar until he was. Andrew Putnam uh, at 55, <laughs> T4 last year. Yeah, just kind of doesn't sound like a guy that's going to win a question mark at but, the end. Yeah, Rod T4 Rod last year. What? Putnam, what? I mean, that's a great name to back. Come on. Oh, on a golf course? Putting, yeah, that's a pretty yes, good point there. Yeah. 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 Pops. Uh, second back in 2019, T4 last year, T27 two years ago, uh, and the metrics are there for him as well. Approach 25th, putting 12th, strokes gained. Uh, driving distance way down at 191st, but accuracy is 34th. Uh, T40 at the century, knocked off the cobwebs the first couple rounds, but finished strong with a 64 and a 60, uh, a 67 and a 64, so going in with some momentum. And then you mentioned him, Joe. Uh, or someone did, I feel like Hayden Buckley. Did anyone mention Hayden Buckley? 
I was just. Yeah, I, didn't know I didn't mention it, but I was look. I'm looking at his history. It's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. He was, not, was there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was looking at some of the numbers. His name showed up, and then I looked at the course history. I saw like you know, T12 or second last year. And I was like, okay, whatever, like cool. And then I looked in 2022 T12. <laughs> and I was like, now I have to actually look at this guy. There's a 250 yeah. on him. So got to sprinkle that 10th in strokes gained off the tee, eighth in total driving 29th in driving accuracy approach one uh, 30th putting 86th, but had a nice little season in like the first half of last year, Phoenix open T 29 RBC T five Valero T 10 T 26 at the PGA. Everything goes right for this guy. Uh, he could definitely be there. And again, the course history is there monster number. So I'll play, be playing a top 20 with him as well. And then, Joe, you mentioned Nick Taylor, T7, T11 at 65-1. to 1. Strong all-around game, approach putting around the green. Off the tee, numbers are not great, but somewhere he is somehow he has figured it out here. So I'll be playing that a little bit as well. And then Henley, that'll be – like you could include him in DFS lineup. Like at 22-1, to 1, I'm not wasting my time. Connors, the number isn't great either. Um, but like you said, maybe a top 20. He's never not finished top 20, T3, T12. 11 to 12. Why, why do you, so everybody has this information about the course history and how important it is here. <coughs> why, why do you think almost all of these dudes that have, have had some success here have pretty good numbers. Even, even those in a weaker fields, even guys like Hideki that, you know, over the years have won tournaments here. Mm-hmm. I feel like you always get 40s and 50s on Hideki. So him by himself, I think, is a is a almost a separate conversation. But go ahead, Ed. But in a weak field, well, it, I would it, think it'd be shorter. Right. Right. I wonder, because his putting is so bad, and this sure. is something where, like, the tournament winners tend to perform well there if you kind of catch him at just the right time. Because there are other courses where he's played well and other situations where course fit also helps him out, but then the putter lets him down. And I wonder mm. if this is one of those spots where that could happen again and why you're getting such – like, if you keep betting on him, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad strategy because eventually it will hit. Uh, and certainly at 50-1, to 1, I, I'd absolutely recommend that one. But that putter is just so atrocious, and, and it just never seems to get better. Yeah. Why are we not talking about Sahith? <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up. I hate this number. Okay. 35 to 1. It's half of what it was last week. Uh, yeah. Driving accuracy. And again, accuracy on this course matters a lot more than distance, unlike last week. It's the complete opposite. You know, like had a lot of you know, wiggle room with your drives. His driving accuracy was 172nd last year. He's going to be playing Army golf, I feel like. He just wasn't that great last week either with his accuracy, even with the forgiving fairways. So, and we're 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 mad at Sahith right now. Well, okay, a top twenty, top thirty is still plus money. I don't hate that. I mean, <laughs> I bless it. I bless it in my stead. I'm not. Uh, I'm. We're on the outs this week. Let's just uh, address the elephant in the room. Zalatoris, 75 to 1. Is anybody? Oh, He's he terrible at hero. Bets, pal. <laughs> I, need, I need him to warm up. I need him to yeah. warm up a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, knock I off those cobwebs. Yeah. yeah. How long does that take? One, one weekend? 
No uh, course history. One, one round. He's no never course history. Here. We're so oh, good. God. We're so good. We're missed way the good. Sahith Zalatoris missed the cut parlay. Let's go. There's oh, 75 man. to one. They're probably yeah. Listen, favorite. when you if you're gonna wave a 75 to one in my face on Billy Z, like gotta do in it in a weak field. Yeah. yeah. What's the when's he when do you ever get that number? Right. On him? Like yeah. we're never getting never. a 75 on him again this season. Maybe ever. No. You might win. That's what I'm saying about Akshay. My guy Akshay. <laughs> Hashtag value, like you read about. I'm glad. I'm glad we know. Yeah. Like, Aaron's gonna have her weekly guy. I've got my guy. Jake's got his. Yep. Don't even need to have a segment. You know what? So it like, is. really, run it back. Yeah, exactly. Take you off the segment. Like, take a break. He's a right. guy. It is replay. We yeah. just replay yeah. this segment all the time going forward every week. Just ed- edit out the ones that aren't playing that weekend. Yeah. Is it, it going to be that weird thing where, like, when Regis and Kathy Lee like redo old interviews, they're wearing completely different outfits than they wore at the start of the show? Is that kind of what we're going to do here going forward? Sure. Exactly. <laughs> Five to yeah. one if the Gollins Altors missed the cut. Just putting it out there. That's not like, enough uh, value. True. <laughs> this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> coming up, Joe Osborne joins us with his favorite bets for Super Wildcard Weekend. That's coming up on the BetQL Network.